In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. So we've come um, both to the end of uh, the Bread of Life little uh, passages um, that we've had for, for a good while, as well as up to the end of the book of Ephesians. So sort of wrap up both of these things today. Uh, and uh, this passage in the Bread of Life, um, where Jesus, as, as we sort of talked about last week, his disciples said, this is a hard saying, who can listen to this? I was sort of reminded as he talked about the flesh um, coming uh, coming down from heaven, you have to eat of the flesh, and, and sort of the faith indeed that it takes Obviously, for all these people to have, um, reminded of a colleague of mine talking about the Eucharist who, um, when he said the wafer is the first act of faith you have to have is that this is bread, right? So before you jump to the conclusion that it's the bread is the body of Jesus, that this wafer is actually bread, which is, I thought, pretty funny. Um, but in all these things, Jesus, Jesus says, um, Come down, come down, come down, right? He, he, throughout this whole passage, uh, the bread has come down. The manna has come down. The bread of life has come down. Uh, and today, as Jesus is sort of wrestling with his, his disciples, that is, so he's already talked about the religious leaders. You have to sort of understand that the, this, this has moved on a little bit. It's not just like this one big conversation that's happening in a, in a, in a period that people came to look for him for king. And then all of a sudden he's at the synagogue pretty him. And now he's, he's with his disciples teaching. So he's, he's teaching this, you know, for, for, for a while and, and battling the religious leaders throughout most of the uh, early parts of this um, passage. But now he's, he's actually talking and addressing his disciples, um, not the 12, but those who, those who, um, or not just the twelve, but those who are following him, those who want to learn, and and many of them, as I said, were were grumbling, and and so this is a difficult, this is a difficult teaching. Who can listen to it? And Jesus says, um, Jesus says, I have to go to where Jesus says because I'm on Ephesians. And Jesus says, what if, does this offend you? What if you were to see the Son of Man ascend to where he was before? The Spirit gives life. The flesh counts for nothing. The words I have spoken to you are spirit. They are life. And so now, all of a sudden, Jesus um, is talking about ascending. And this is sort of mirrors that, uh, that time when, when, he's, when he met Nathaniel under the, under the fig tree and, and, uh, he goes, wow, you must be the Messiah, the Christ. And he goes, you believe this. You, greater things that you see when you see the Son of Man ascending and descending. What Jesus is doing right now um, for, for all these is saying, sort of, sort of bear with me. Right? I mean, there's, everything is, is alluding when he talks about the Son of Man ascending. This is, this is the crucifixion. This is the resurrection. This is the ascension. This is the sending of the Spirit of God. And right, this teaching is difficult. But you've seen the signs. You know that the Spirit of God is, is, is promised, is coming. Therefore, even in this difficult passage, wait and see. 
pretty much, right? Wait and see. Um, and many of them turn back. They leave. They depart. And so Jesus then turns to the 12 and goes, do you, do you want to go too? Right? And Peter says, where are we going to go? You have, you are the Holy One of God. We have come to know this. Um, where are we going to go? And this question that Jesus asks is, is a question that Jesus is big on questions all through, all through the Gospel of John, especially. What do you want? Right? The very first question he asked that, to Andrew and the disciple not named is, what do you want? You know, where are you staying? Um, do you wish to be made well? You know, all uh, over, over and over again. Um, Jesus asks questions, um, inviting a response. Do you wish to leave also? Where are we going to go? And so this, this whole framework of, of this bread of life, Jesus coming to be, as we said, the, the exodus to lead the people of Israel and the people of the world, not just out of bondage of slavery from, from people and from nations, but out of bondage of slavery from sin and death. And um, when we come into that relationship, we come into that faith, then indeed we are drawn um, into this, this life, into this, this glory, into this grace. Um, and this is the invitation that Jesus puts forth. And, and it's difficult to hear. It's difficult when you don't have all the pieces. Which sort of leads us to, to the passage from Ephesians because by this point, at least as Paul's writing, that very end, we have all the, all the pieces. Kind of, sort of. It doesn't make it any easier, right? It's still very hard to live into. You have been made um, children of God. You have been uh, sealed by the Holy Spirit and marked as Christ's own forever. You have been um, drawn into to God's family. You have been made new. You have been made holy. Right? All of these, all of these things, the powers and the principalities have been defeated, and Christ reigns forever. But despite the fact that that the powers and principalities have been defeated by the resurrection and ascension and the sending of the Spirit. It doesn't mean that, that life in this world is easy. Um, it doesn't mean that, that those powers have just up and gone away without a fight. And this is what, what Paul's writing today. We've, we've, we've gone through this whole book. Right, we've gone through this whole book of the first three chapters really saying who we are now in Jesus. How our life has been transformed. How God has, has made us His own. Um, not unlike what Jesus keeps saying to the disciples in this. The Spirit gives life. The Spirit gives life. The flesh is worth nothing. All these, all these things that you do in your in your life, these works sort of under the law type thing, those things are worth nothing. The spirit of God that lives within you is is what gives life and breathes life into you and what gives you faith and hope. 
So all these these first three chapters sort of build up this this new life, this new way. And then we have a few chapters which which talk about building up the church and about how we're called to live as this new creation. And now finally, sort of wrapping up and stand firm in the glory of God. Um, be strong in God. And this is this is um, an important passage because be strong in the Lord. Not, not always does the NIV get this get this translation best. I'd say generally they don't, but in this in this case they they did because this this passage in Greek this um, is really like a, a a passive imperative. That is that is imperative being you know here this go do this, but it's not you doing it. It's God doing it in you. Be strong in the Lord. Um, too many times we think of, okay, now here's, here's the Bible. Here's some catechism. Here's some teachings. Here's the spit. Now go. Do your best. It's on you, right? And, and it's not that at all. This is, this is a call to now you have the spirit of God in you. Be strong in that spirit of God. Allow the spirit of God to come upon you, to fill you, to, to bless you, to protect you, to shield you. And he, and he goes on with all these, with this sort of military um, type imagery, um, which, which oftentimes the church has used um, badly. As if we're going off to war to slay all the all the others um, who don't believe with us, but this isn't an offensive at all. This is a this is a purely um, defensive call. This is the evil powers of the world are going to be assaulting you. Therefore, be prepared, be strong in the Lord, have the shield of of faith, have the belt of truth buckled around your waist, the breastplate of righteousness. Have your feet in the gospel of peace. Be ready. The helmet of salvation. Only, really, the sword um, is the only sort of offensive weapon at all. And even that is is just the word of God, um, which is which is really also in this way not only an offensive weapon, but a defensive weapon because people manipulate the word of God. If we, if we know the word of God, if we have the word of God, then we can battle. Remember, remember Satan, um, all the times dealing with the temptation of Jesus, right? It's written this way. Just like, well, it's also written this way. It's written that you should you could throw yourself off here. Angels will catch you. It's also written, don't test the Lord, your God. Right. So you're sort of trying to manipulate the word of God in, into into uh, tricking me. And we talked about this last week um, with with slaves, obey your masters type thing or wives submit to your husbands. There's a flip side. All of this. Right. Everything within this is. Yeah. If you yeah. If you just stop right there. You can make the Bible say whatever you want, whereas it really is calling for a radical new relationship of, of people in the world. 
especially within Christians, that, that we are called to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. And so when we know that word of God, then we can defeat those lies, not just the lies of, of the enemy, but the lies of other churches other in the world who, who um, look to corrupt God's plan for us. So, um, because you just have to look around right now um, to see that evil is, right, still exists. That evil is still among us and and nationalism and racism and classism and you look at Haiti and the evils that are taking place there and Afghanistan and the evils that are taking place there, especially with the women of that nation. And we see that we are not done. That though Jesus indeed um, has defeated the powers of evil, the powers of evil are still at work. And so we pray. We pray and we act and we live. Pray in the Spirit on all occasions, with all kinds of prayers, with all requests. Keep alert and keep always praying. Not that we just pray, but when we pray, when we seek, we're drawn into the very will of God. We're given the guidance, discernment, direction, strength, ability to do those things that are hard. This is a difficult teaching. Who can listen to it? This is a difficult task you've given to us. This is a difficult thing that you've given to us, God. And yet, in the strength of God, we can do these things. We can succeed when we have one another, which is, of course, the other aspect that Paul is talking about. He's talking to this whole group of people. When you are doing these things together, praying for all the saints, praying in the spirit, praying on all occasions, you become strengthened to do the work and will and power of God. And effectually um, bring light into the world. You can defeat the evil that exists when you're strong in the Lord. And so, sort of as we wrap up this this whole section, really, of, of summer with the end of the bread of life and the end of Ephesians. I pray that we, we do indeed um, live fully into this, this letter and live fully into not only taking hold that of that, um, that new life that's in us, taking hold of that change that God has, has given us and claiming it for our own, not only that we may transform our very being to, to live more like Jesus, to be imitators of God. 
but that we might be strong in the Lord as a church, as a people of God, to defeat the powers of evil and work diligently for the light and glory of Jesus, who's come not just to transform us spiritually, but to transform the world with his light and glory. Amen.